Good morning. It is great to see you this morning. I am glad that you are here. Today we're talking about a word that we see throughout our culture, anger. You can't even hardly get on the the road without seeing someone express anger, road rage. You see somebody cut you off, neither it wells up inside of you, or you actually see somebody else driving around real fast and slamming on the brakes. Have you ever seen something like that? Anger is just all around us. And the question becomes, can we actually control our anger? Can we handle our anger? We're talking about inner peace, and inner peace is something that we all have to struggle through. We all have to struggle to find, and, and God has not left us alone. He's actually given us tools in which to handle anger. I was reading a stat from the Science Daily. They said two-thirds of U.S. adolescents have experienced anger attacks in which involve threatening violence or violent behavior. Two-thirds of our teenagers today. That is a lot of people struggling through anger and not knowing how to deal with anger. So today we want to talk about anger. One lady after Billy Sunday, Billy Sunday was an evangelist, and after Billy Sunday had preached, one lady came up to Billy Sunday and said, you know, I'm okay with my anger. I just explode and then it's over and I'm fine. And Billy Sunday said, well, a shotgun blows up too, but look at the damage that it leaves. That's pretty good, isn't it? We want to talk about anger. So if you have your Bibles today, Genesis chapter 4 is where we're going to be going. Genesis chapter 4, and the reason this text has been chosen is because it's the first time in human race that anger has been expressed and there's actually trouble that occurs. Destruction happens at the end. Genesis chapter 4, you know the story of Cain and Abel. We hear it all the time. We've heard about it since we were little kids. And I want to us to look at this one more time because I think in this presence you see a man getting angry getting frustrated because he doesn't get what he wants and as he walks through this God comes and speaks to him and as God speaks he counsels him and helps Cain have the tools to walk through anger and yet Cain still has to make a choice if you have your Bibles Genesis chapter 4 would you please stand for the reading of God's word Genesis chapter 4 here's what the Bible says and now Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel was also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. But you must rule over it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your blessings, your goodness, your grace. God, I am just amazed at how that you allow us to, together, we we do not take this opportunity lightly, and we want to say thank you for allowing us to be able to sing praises to your sweet and holy name. Father, as we dive into this time, I pray that your word would minister to us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our ears, God, give us the ears to hear, and I pray that you would speak directly into our lives. God, show us what we need to hear. And Father, I do pray for the courage 
to apply it to our lives as we walk out of this place today so that we have known that we have been with you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, just draw your attention to the bulletin once again. We do have several things for you um, in the bulletin. That way you can follow along. You have notes, and you'll be able to walk through and fill these out as we go along. All right. So Genesis chapter 4, we hear the story. Adam and Eve have now been outside of the garden, and outside of the garden, they have a baby. And how precious, and Eve is excited. She says, look what has happened to me. I have a baby, and it's a man, and it's from God. How amazing did God do this? And she's kind of, it's the first birth. It's the first moment of pregnancy. How amazing to see this happening. And she didn't have anybody else to look forward to, uh, to the past and say, hey, look, this is just part of normal life. She had to learn it for the first time, and it happened with her. And there's an amazement saying, wow, <laughs> there's something growing inside of me. What's going on? And all of a sudden now there's a baby, and Holy cow, God is amazing. And she's just awestruck. And then you have another baby. There's two boys. Now Adam and Eve will also have many more sons and daughters. And we're not told about all of them, but we know of these two. And as they begin to get older, you find that they have different professions. One is going to be taking care of the sheep. Going to be taking care of the animals. And that the other son chooses to take care of the farming, he chooses to, to raise crops and to harvest, to plant seed and to harvest and, and to produce food. So both of these boys begin, they're older now, and as they're older, they begin to come to this moment where there's a sacrifice, and we see that here. And over the course of time, verse 3, it says that they brought forth the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and then now it sets it up and says that something's going on with Cain. Something is different. Cain brings an offering as well. But God doesn't have regard for it. God doesn't accept it. God doesn't respect what Cain brings. Now there's a lot of speculation. and We can spend a lot of time on worship and what we're to bring. We can talk about, well, one, maybe the reason Abel's was accepted was because it was animals. And he offered a blood sacrifice. We could talk about that. But yet, also we find later on there's going to be grain offerings that are going to be offered that God does accept. So maybe that's not fully what the difference is. There is a word here that's used. It's the firstborn. The fat portions. And I want to draw your attention to it because that is the, the first part. Abel brings his best offering. Abel brings what would be considered the first part, and says, this is my best. And here's what happens for each one of us. God accepts our worship only when we bring what? It's our best. It's our best. That's when it's accepted before God. It doesn't mean it has to be the biggest gift, but it does have to be the best that we can do. And it says that Cain brought some. Do you see that? Cain just brings some. It doesn't say that he brought his best. It doesn't say that he just... It just I just brought some. It doesn't say that it was a lot. It doesn't say it was little. It just says that he brought some. And so there's a difference here in even attitude in which they approach. And when we approach worship, remember that it's always about us and God. It's not about anybody else. It's us and God. God is the audience. We're not the audience. God is the audience watching us. And it's us giving of ourselves. And it is really, truly that song we just sang. Are we able to say we surrender all? All our plans, 
our livelihoods, everything that we have. Are we willing to say we give it all? And that's what Abel says. God, here it is. I'm giving you and I'm going to trust you. And that's one of the hardest things we have when, we, when it comes to even writing a check to the church. Some of the questions that come begin to rile up inside of us is, can I really offer that? It almost seems like too much. God, I don't know if I can live on this. And then, then you start asking the questions, well, what about my talent? If I give you my best part of my time, if I give you my best part of my talent, God, is that really... What's going to happen to me? Can I really afford to give my best? And the answer is yes. And God accepts. And now you set up this entire problem. Cain looks across and sees that God doesn't accept his. And he says, wait, why does he accept my brothers? Now watch. And here's what it says. So Cain, verse 5, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. And then the Lord comes to him. Wouldn't you love to have the Lord as your counselor? Wouldn't that be fantastic? God would come and actually face-to-face speak to you and say, hey, you have a problem, back up. Wouldn't that be nice? And so God and Cain now have a conversation. And the Lord says to Cain, Cain, why are you angry? And that's the first blank. Why do we get angry? Why do we get angry? That is a great question. What makes you angry? Not what makes your spouse angry, not what makes your kids angry, but what makes you angry. When we begin to walk through this, there's a lot of different reasons. We can, we can begin to list all kinds of different reasons saying, this is why I get angry. I get angry because so-and-so. I get angry because of this. I get angry. And all of a sudden what happens is as we get angry, the storm begins to rage inside us, doesn't it? And as it rages, we need to ask ourselves, why do we become angry? God asks a simple question. It can be jealousy like Cain. Jealousy as in someone gets the item that I want, the house, the car, the promotion, boyfriend, girlfriend, the top grade, playing time. They get a good marriage. They get a good kids. They get to live in that part of town. We get jealous. They get praise and we don't. They get attention. We don't. Maybe it's we're mistreated. Someone spoke a harsh word to us. They're cutting us down. They're ignoring us. Maybe somebody physically hurts us or slanders us or gossips against us. The right's ignored. Maybe somebody ignores us. How dare you ignore me? You don't listen to me. You can't tell me what to do. Selfishness. Somebody changes our plans. They waste our time. We fail to get what we want. We fail to get what we desire. Sports Digest in February 2009, the Golf Digest, they talked about a man named Tommy Bolt. He died in 2008, and his nickname was Tommy Thunderbolt. Do you remember this guy? He would give advice to others when they, he would lose, because he consistently lost his temper. And one of his favorite sayings was this, his advice that he would give to people on the golf course. Maybe it's golf that causes you to have problems. He would say this, always throw the club ahead of you, so you can pick it up on your way. That's pretty good. Here's some other advice he gave. He said, never break your driver and your putter in the same round. That's pretty good. I don't know, I don't know what it is that gets you angry. And I don't even really fully understand what gets my wife angry or my kids angry. But here's what I do know. Cain is asked a very specific question from God. What gets you angry? Why are you angry? And the question is something that you and I have to wrestle with. What gets us angry? And as we begin to work through that question, 
Then we can begin to walk through what is happening next. So Cain, Cain says to God, or God says, Cain, why, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? I like the second question. Why is your face fallen? Do you know anger always starts on the inside before it's expressed outwardly? It always starts on the inside. But yet it's going to come out. And it's going to come out in your facial expressions. It's going to come out in the body language. Anger actually destroys inside and it eats away inside of you. As I was reading again about anger. It talked about how that it, it releases hormones and chemicals inside your body and insulin. So that it causes your body to burn sugar faster. To give you a boost in energy. To do something. Yet when you begin to hang on to anger and you keep it inside your body, it begins to rot your body. Many people begin to have sickness, headaches, stomach pains, ulcers, intestinal problems just by hanging on to anger and keeping it for a long time. Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. It has an ability to start on the inside. The Bible tells us that what we speak and what we say actually originates in our heart first. So anytime we begin to speak, and as we speak, and as we begin to act out, you can be sure that it's already had months of setting inside the heart and inside the thoughts before it ever came out. Do you realize that I heard somebody, I heard somebody say this about uh, your face. They said you can't control what face you were born with. But every person after the age of 40 is responsible for their own face. And the reason what they were saying is they were talking about how that it takes more muscles to frown and to scowl than it does to smile. All right, so we're going to practice this. You ready? We're going to smile at each other. Turn to the person next to you and smile. There you go. (laughs) Smile. There you go. Now tell them, I like your smile. There you go. I like your smile. All right, we should do that more often. This is just a smile. It just releases, doesn't it? But when we are angry, the face and the countenance begins to fall. And Cain, not only is he angry and upset on the inside, it's now coming out. He's so angry that it's coming out in his countenance and the way he's looking. And God says, Cain, there's a problem. Now look. Then verse 6. Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? Verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. He stops and, and God gives us this idea. And he says, okay, I want you to understand. There's a choice that you're about to make. There's a choice that you get to make, Cain. If you do well, there's going to be blessings. If you don't do well, there's going to be curses. There's going to be bad things that are going to begin to happen. Sin always causes destruction. Sin always causes destruction. It always, it always brings destruction. It always brings pain into our lives. And, and what God is saying to Cain is, Cain, you have a choice sitting in front of you. You haven't fully acted it out yet. You're angry and you're upset. You haven't fully acted it out, but it's coming. You're about to make a choice. And you get a choice. And anger's desire is always to control you. Anger's desire, sin's desire is always to control and dominate you. There's your blanks. It's to control and dominate you. Look what he says. Sin is crouching at the door. Do you see that? And its desire is to what? 
Its desire is to actually destroy you. It's crouching at the door. It's that, it's that picture of a lion who's, who's, who's prowling around and just ready to pounce and to destroy. Sin is crouching at the door. We need to look at this idea that anger is ready to destroy us. It's ready to control us. And maybe that's one of the reasons we enjoy anger. It's because when we get angry, we feel like we actually have control over the situation that we don't have control over. It gives us this sense of power, doesn't it? I'm going to be able to do something. And, and as we get this anger and it begins to boil inside of us, we feel like, yes, I am now in charge. I'm now in control. And yet it's an illusion. Because what is happening is you're giving control to anger. And you're allowing it to dominate your life. Some of you are going, well, what? I feel like I'm in, pretty, I'm in control. Here's some of the ways that anger begins to manifest itself. You ready? And begins to gain control. We know that we have wrong anger when we are becoming bitter. If you're becoming bitter, you're losing control. You're losing the ability. And you're going, wait, Heath, I'm not throwing a temper tantrum. You don't have to throw a temper tantrum to lose control. The bitterness inside you. Next, number two, resentfulness. You just begin to resent. You become resentful about everything that's going on. Number three, short and cutting words are constantly just coming out of your mouth. Short and cutting words. Number four, you're just on edge. You're on edge. All somebody has to do is simply say something. All of a sudden, you're blowing up. On edge. Number five, fretting. Constantly dwelling on the events. Replaying them over and over and over in your mind. Holding a grudge. Number six, just holding a grudge. Number seven, planning and plotting revenge. You know you're out of control if you're planning and plotting revenge. How can I get even? How can I get them? Number eight, negative. Everything's negative. You just, you just can't help but talk about the negative. It's just negative. It's just negative all the time. Number nine, your heart rate is racing. And then finally, number ten, you're out of control. Sin's desire, anger's desire is to control. Now watch, I'm going to give you some great hope. You ready? Look at the next part of this. God says sin is trying to conquer you. It's trying to dominate you. And it's, going to, it's, it's desire and the end game is destruction. Now watch what God says. I love this part. Verse 7, or verse 8. But you must rule over it. You see it? You can control anger. Maybe that might be the first time you've ever heard that. But you can. This is spoken by who? Cain? No. Who's this spoken by? God. Do you see it? God has given this voice and he's given this statement. You must rule over it. Anger doesn't have to control you. Anger doesn't have to dominate you. You can actually control it. And you're going, well, wait a minute. Heath, have you ever really been angry? Because this is, this is a hard statement that my passion, my emotions, they just get going. And I just don't know if I can control it. And the Bible says here, God is speaking. You can. You can control it. Matter of fact, there are many verses throughout Scripture that talk about how that we can and should control. Proverbs 14, 29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 29, 11, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So how do we control our anger? If we're told to control it, how do we control it? 
Because this is where we begin to, the rubber meets the road. Where does it start? How does it work? Because if you're going off your emotions, it's hard to pull your emotions back, right? How do you control it? I like Paul in Galatians. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And remember we said that whatever we're doing, whatever actions are coming out actually originated in the heart. So what we really truly need is a change of heart. If you're just trying to dominate it and control your anger by just changing outward behavior, you'll never fully have success. Counting to ten. One, two, three. Or just running away or walking away or choosing not to say anything. That's not actually changing the heart. But Galatians tells us the fruit of the Spirit. If we actually walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We won't, we won't begin to, to live the same way because God begins to do a great work in our lives, changing our hearts. So when we're walking in the Spirit, He automatically begins to produce what? The fruit of the Spirit. And one of those fruits is long-suffering. No longer being anger and short-tempered, but long-suffering. So here's what we can say. How do you control the Spirit? Or how do you control your anger? It has to start with a change of heart. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's where it starts. We can go to all kinds of AA programs. We can go to all kinds of anger management solutions. And we can talk about all kinds of things. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you're missing the most important ingredient. Because what you need is a change of heart. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, then here's what we need to understand. When we're expressing and when we're going after anger and we're allowing anger to control us, then that means we're not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And we need to repent and ask God to forgive us. And then we say, okay, God, help me. Help me to control. Now, I have four questions for you just to help us walk through these. These are great questions in in helping us gain control. Okay, so here we go. Number one, what do I want? When you find yourself in a situation, to ask yourself, when you, you feel you're getting angry, and now it's only four, and they have to be very quick, because if you're getting angry, you need to be able to think through it quickly, right? So number one, what do I want? Well, I want them to act this way. I want this. I want this. And you just lay it out. Identify. That's why we talked about it at the beginning. What makes you angry? Identify it. What do I want? Number two, what am I tempted to do to get it? What am I tempted to do to get this? Am I willing to, to raise my voice and yell? Am I willing to slam the door to get my way? Am I willing to try to destroy someone in order to get my way? What am I willing to do? There was a, um, a, a t-ball game a few years ago I was telling you about that my son was playing t-ball. And there was a mom who was in the stands and she was yelling quite a bit. And, and one of the, the ladies in the dugout, she was helping out. Um, with the roster and keeping the lineup going. And she said something in the dugout about a kid because a kid missed the ball. Now, this is T-ball, right? So, I mean, the kids are going to miss a lot of balls, and they're going to run the wrong direction, things like that, right? And so she said something. Well, one of the moms from the stands, she heard it because it was about her son. And so she comes out of the stands into the dugout, and they begin yelling and screaming. She was offended. She was mad. She was upset. And as they began to yell and scream back and forth, the next thing you know, they're slamming the door, the, 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 the swinging gate right there. They're slamming the gate into each other. And then after that, then you start seeing these ladies start throwing punches. It was amazing. You almost wanted to cheer, but you knew that wasn't right. 
you know, you're starting to take bets. You know, I'm just kidding. You're, you're, you sit there and you, you, see the, you see the ladies begin to fight. And all these little boys, I mean, they're, you know, five years old. Their eyes are big going, Mama! You know, it was just, it was an amazing thing. What are you tempted to do to get your way? That's a great question. This is what I want. Number two, what do I want to do? What am I tempted to do to get my way? Number three, what brings God glory? What brings God glory in this? That's a great question. What brings God glory? So that lady could have simply said, if I go down there and I punch this lady, that's probably not going to bring God glory, right? She could have thought through that. That would have helped. If she would have just stopped long enough. What's going to bring God glory, number four? It's a very simple question. Who am I going to please? Is it going to be God? Or is it going to be me? Which way am I going to go? If you could walk yourself, this is better than counting to ten. Why? Because now you're asking yourself questions that begin to get God back in the mix so that you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and not just listen to your own passions. All right. So ask the question. You can control it. Now watch what happens as we walk through this. Verse 8. So Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. Isn't that a sad statement? This is your brother. This is one that you are supposed to love, the one you're supposed to care for. He's in the field, so maybe he's controlled it. We don't know. We don't know if he's controlled it for a day or two. We don't know how long he's controlled it. Maybe he did control it for a little while, but yet he didn't fully remove it from his heart. He didn't do the surgery to remove the anger. He just kind of left it there, and it stayed there for a while. And after whatever time, maybe it was later that day, maybe it was later that week, or maybe it was later that month, we don't know. He's out there in the field and he's talking to his brother and he can't stand it anymore. He can't stand it anymore and he rises up and he kills his brother. And then the Lord comes back to him. He says, Cain, where's, your, where's Abel? And Cain responds with the famous line, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And now God begins to give a curse, and he says, you're now going to be cursed. Anger brings destruction. It brings destruction in your life. It brings destruction in my life. And any time anger is expressed, it brings destruction. You remember Jesus actually giving the statement saying, wait, and he moves us from, from killing. You shouldn't just kill. He says you shouldn't be angry. Remember that? Why does Jesus say that? Because he says, if you have anger in your heart, it's as if you're calling out and you're saying, you're evil, you're wrong. And Jesus says, that is sin because you cross the line. It's as if you're killing and committing murder right then. Why? Because in our hearts, that's what we wanted. And it brings destruction, it brings death, it brings punishment. Chuck Swindoll, he, he tells a story in Growing Strong about how that anger causes destruction now he uses it in a a humorous way he talks about uh, ralph milton he said one morning ralph woke up at five o'clock to a noise that sounded like someone repairing boilers on his roof still in his pajamas he went out into the backyard and investigated he found a woodpecker on the tv antenna do you remember the tv antennas i'm kind of nervous about this illustration for the second group but anyway we we remember this right so he hears that this woodpecker is on the TV antenna, pounding its little brains out on the metal pole. Angry at the little creature, he re- reaches down and he picks up a rock. 
and he throws it at the woodpecker. The rock sailed over the house, missing the antenna, missing the bird, and he heard a distant crash as it hit his car window. (laughs) In utter disgust, Ralph took a vicious kick at a clod of dirt, only to remember it was too late that he was still without shoes. Destruction, whether small or big, anger always brings destruction. And when God pronounces a curse, if you keep reading, it says, Cain, you now have to leave. Cain replies by what? Saying, God, this is too much for me to bear. I can't do it. It's too heavy. It's too hard. It's too much. I can't handle this. This is too much for me. And here's the problem with our anger. Our anger always brings back and comes back around. And it brings destruction. And it's too much to bear. Now here's where the beauty of the cross comes in. If we're willing to say, God, I'm sorry. And we place it under the cross. It's forgiven. It's forgiven. And God gives us grace and mercy. And the beauty is, ready for this? That we have all sinned. And we deserve God's wrath and God's punishment and God's anger. It's a righteous anger against us. But on the cross, Jesus becomes our substitute and he moves us out of the way and Jesus stands in our place on the cross. And on the cross, God's wrath is poured out on Jesus. And what we get instead is God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace. I want to extend that and make sure you understand. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, Jesus is offering that to you today. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, here's where we need to go. We need to fall at the cross and say, God, forgive us of our anger. And we lay it at the foot of the cross. And then we ask God, God, by your spirit, by your Holy Spirit's power, will you transform this heart of mine so that we no longer have a heart of anger, but of long-suffering, demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your goodness. God, we are amazed at how great you are. We're amazed that you give us your love. We are thankful for your mercy that has been given to us. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help us to truly find inner peace. Not by way of working harder for it, but by way of submitting our lives to you. Where, God, you do a work in this heart of ours so that anger is removed and so that peace is interjected by your Holy Spirit. We love you and thank you in Jesus' precious name.